0: You're listening to the Misty Creek Community Church podcast. To learn more about Misty Creek Community Church, visit our website at MistyCreekChurch.org. Today's message is from Senior Pastor Stephen Street. We've been spending some time in, in Luke's Gospel. And these are the tough, hard teachings of Jesus. If you just heard that scripture that Sherry read for us, you're like, man, is he really going to go there? Is he going to preach from there? Yes, I am. I don't shy away from preaching God's Word at all. Even sometimes when it seems to be difficult. So we've been spending some time in Luke's gospel, especially chapter 12. And there's a lot in chapter 12, folks. We've learned that popularity is not a measure of success in God's eyes. Did you know that? Popularity is not a measure of success in God's eyes. Obedience is. How do you measure popularity? These days, most people measure popularity by their social media followers. That's how they measure popularity. How many likes did they get? How many comments did they get? I have to be honest. You may see me over here on my phone because I'm, I'm looking at our Facebook Live service and I'm interacting with people that are worshiping with us online. And I wanted to know, hey, we care about you. We're glad you're joining us. We got people along the eastern seaboard that are worshiping with us this morning. We got people down in Florida worshiping with us this morning. We got people on the lake, literally on their pontoon boat, that are worshiping with us today. I wonder if they've got the weather like we have right now. Um, How about you? What's popular to you? Social media followers is not the authentic measure of whether you're popular or not, how many likes you have, how many friends you have. I mean, seriously, do you really have a 1,000 close-knit friends? 2,000? 3,000? 4,000? Seriously, that's amazing if you do. You know, there are companies who will sell large blocks of fake followers to those who want to look more popular than they really are. That's the truth, folks. yes. Even in the 1800s, theater managers in Paris paid select audience members to (laughs) clap, laugh, or weep at the appropriate points in the show. And in the 1950s, the first laugh track was created. It was a recorded loop of a pre-taped audience laughing that was played at the appropriate spots in other shows to convince audience members that their shows were funny, more funnier than they actually were. So I thought we'd have a little fun this morning. I've got some cue cards here. All right, let's try it. Everybody together. (laughs) Uh Very good. Very good. (laughs) Gives you permission to do the belly laugh you've always wanted to do in church. So you did it. Oh, I can get you to do about anything, couldn't I? All right, now stand up on one foot. No, anyway, I'm not going to get you to do that. So in the beginning of Luke 12, we read that Jesus' popularity had become so great that he and his disciples were followed by thousands of people, huge crowds of people. And he didn't have to pay them to follow him. The crowd was so boisterous that Jesus and his disciples were in danger of being trampled by them. How does it feel to be a rock star? I mean, in this essence, Jesus was a rock star. He was popular because he could do things mighty, wonderful things, miraculous things. So he had a a huge following. The disciples must have felt really good about their decision to follow Jesus, seeing how his ministry was becoming so influential. Only Jesus understood that they were following him not to a throne or a political movement, but to his death on the cross, the death of an outcast, from popularity to shame and suffering and persecution. In a short time, that crowd of many thousands would be lining the streets of Jerusalem and loudly demanding Jesus' death at the hands of the Roman government. So Luke 12 is basically this long teaching on how to disengage from the world's attractions, from its values, from its popularity contest. You want to talk about a relevant passage of Scripture and a message today? You got it, Folks. Jesus is trying to warn his disciples that they can't count on the crowd's approval for long. He knows that he will be leaving them soon, and they will suffer greatly as they try to carry on his mission without him. They will pay a price for following him, so they'd better be prepared for it. But he also can see how the Holy Spirit is living in them That Holy Spirit will lead them to change the world, just as the Holy Spirit is leading you and you and you out there under the tent to change the world. You know, many leaders, including pastors, gauge their success, the success of their ministry on its popularity, on the number of followers they have, on the number of people attending the worship service. Jesus gauged the success of his ministry, on his obedience to God. And he warned us that obedience to God will make us unpopular with the world. We're seeing that, aren't we? In Luke 12, he's teaching his disciples, don't let your current circumstances blind you or your current comforts bind you to this world. Saying yes to me means saying no to this world and its comforts and its priorities and its value systems. Have you ever dropped in on the middle of a conversation and thought, wait a minute, did I hear that right? That's how we may feel when we read this passage from Luke 12. Jesus is the love of God in the flesh, He's the Prince of Peace, the one whose death healed our separation with God and with our fellow humans. So these words from Jesus sound like they're out of character from him. He's talking about division and that kind of thing. But you know, that's what happens when we take Jesus' words out of context. To understand this passage, we need to understand the conversation around it. I want you to keep in mind that this, this context, as we read the first few verses in our Bible passage today. All right, you want to hear those words again? I think we have them on the slide as well. So he says, I have come to bring fire on earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. Yeah, you read that right. But I have a baptism to undergo, and what constraint I am under until it's completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. Doesn't sound like Jesus, but that's Jesus. You know how I know? It's read in my Bible. That's Jesus' words. Yep. Hmm. Van Varner. You know who Van Varner is? That's an interesting name. He was the former editor of Guidepost magazine. He tells of driving through the Rocky Mountains with his godson David. They passed a sign reading Continental Divide. Do you know what a continental divide is? We're going to teach the students this, this morning. A continental divide is a boundary that separates a continent's river systems. David pointed to the sign and said, This is a great watershed. From here the waters flow either toward the Atlantic or the Pacific. As Varner considered David's comments, he realized that the decision to follow Jesus is that kind of decision. It's a watershed moment. Once you commit to following Jesus' example, you leave your old life behind and you take up a new life that is not under your own control. There is a great quote from British philosopher Gordon Graham. He writes, Decision is a sharp knife that cuts clean and straight. Indecision is a dull one that hacks and tears and leaves ragged edges behind it. Decisions are not... The same as opinions or feelings. Decisions require action. Decisions have results. Decisions affect change. Sitting in church is not a decision. Conforming your life to the character, priorities, and actions of Jesus is a decision. Decision is a sharp knife that cuts clean and straight. That's what Jesus is talking about in this passage today. The decision to follow him is a sharp knife. It cuts our ties to this world and value system. It cuts them away. Now, there are three ways that following Jesus creates division. And we need to consider these seriously before we make a decision to commit our life to him. These are in your notes as well in your bulletin today. The first one. Following Jesus divides us from the person we used to be. Yes, there it is. Following Jesus divides us from the person we used to be. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. You are a new creation. Paul would know about these things, wouldn't he? Before he became a follower of Jesus, he was a a zealous member of the Pharisees. A group of people that believed in a strict obedience to the traditional Jewish law. And his strict obedience inspired him to violently persecute Jesus' followers. After he became a follower of Jesus, he became a leader in the early church, helping to spread the message and ministry of Jesus throughout the entire Roman Empire and writing 13 of the 27 letters that make up the New Testament. In Philippians... Philippians 3, Paul talks about how influential and connected he used to be. He lost his status, his power, his connections. He lost it all when he became a follower of Jesus. And then he goes on to say that he counts all the perks of his previous life to be garbage to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. That's St. Paul's testimony, knowing you, Jesus, knowing you. Let me relate to you the testimony of a more contemporary figure, another Paul, Noel Paul Stuckey. Noel Paul Stuckey is one-third of the world-famous folk music group Peter, Paul, and Mary. And don't we love Peter, Paul, and Mary? Yes, we do. If you're my age and older, you really do. In 1968, Paul was greeting fans after the concert A young man came up to Paul and said, I want to talk to you about the Lord. Paul doesn't know why his heart started to beat a little faster. He doesn't know why he sat down and listened to this young man. But he does know that when he and the young man prayed together, God changed his life. During the prayer, Paul saw himself as a hollow man. Hollow. Empty. All things he had been chasing after were meaningless. He says of his life after that prayer, I was washed, cleansed, and I couldn't believe it. Suddenly, when I had admitted that I was sorry for the life I had led without God, everything collapsed, and I was perfectly balanced. I had been given day one again. Let that sink in for a moment. I had been given day one. Day one again. again. Following Jesus is never about improving your life. Jesus made that very clear. Following him is about dying to your old life and taking up his life. You no longer live your own life when you take up Jesus. You may have never heard this teaching before. You're hearing it today. Decision is a sharp knife. Following Jesus divides us from the person we used to. To be, I don't want to be the person I used to be. Do you? Do you want to look like your old self? Do you want to look like your old problems? If you do, you're going to look pretty bad, aren't you? Pretty worn and ragged, and weak. Jesus' own brothers didn't believe in his identity and ministry until after his resurrection from the grave. Jesus understands how painful. Such separation is. It's a natural consequence of living out the radical priorities of Christ, priorities such as loving your enemies, speaking the truth, pursuing peace, and not conforming to the value systems of the world. You're going to make others uncomfortable around you. You are probably uncomfortable touching someone else's hands because all you were thinking about was bacteria, COVID. <laughs> You had the howie Mendel syndrome, didn't you? That's all you were thinking about. But some of you, you weren't thinking about that at all. Because for you, the power of human touch is being touched by Jesus. You understand me? So he's going to protect you with his hedge of protection. Because you were connecting with somebody next to you that maybe nobody's grabbed their hand or touched them in a long time. And it meant something. You know, I was at a, a funeral earlier this week. It was Kim's mother. Kim Davis's mother. It was almost a three-hour funeral. I was the only white guy there, wasn't I? <laughs> I was. I was so loved on. I was so welcomed. And the activity... or exercise you participate in by holding the hands a while ago. We did that in the church service, and it was packed. And this nice-looking African-American man, bulky and, I mean, built. When it's time to hold hands, he reached his hand back, and he, he grabbed my hand, and this beautiful woman, I mean, she was dressed, had a beautiful hat on. She was beautiful. She grabbed my hand. I felt the Holy Spirit moving through them. And God revealed in my heart right then and there, we are one. We are one in the Spirit, one baptism, one Lord, one faith. It's a meaningful time, folks. You see, here at Misty Creek, we're breaking down the barriers and the things that keep us from reaching our full potential. The division that's out there in the world, we're becoming unified together. Decision is a sharp knife. Following Jesus divides us from the people around us. But it also can bring us together. Don't you know it? By sharing what God has done in our life, by telling our story, by embracing someone and accepting them no matter what they look like, no matter where they've been, and letting them know that you represent a resurrected king. And finally, following Jesus divides us from the value systems of this world. Jesus never hid this fact. He lived to teach people about the kingdom of God and its values. He never tried to gain influence with the power players in his society. He never tried to turn people away from following him. Jesus would not conform to the culture, even for the sake of popularity or success. But there are churches that are doing that, folks. I'm just saying. Jesus would not conform, I'm going to say it again, to the culture, even for the sake of popularity or success, even for the sake of saving his own life. And if we're new creations in Christ, then we're called to give up everything, including our own lives, to follow his example. For we are chosen, not forsaken. We are who He says we are. We are children of God. That's who you are. You're not made popular because of all the likes you have, because of your social media, because of your videos. Popularity is not a measure of success in God's eyes, you see? Obedience is. What makes you acceptable and pleasing in His sight? is serving others, is doing unto the least of these. Jesus always did that, didn't he? He never leveraged his power to be popular. Instead, he was always looking for the greatest need. Who needed a touch? Who needed a handshake? Who needed a hug? Who needed to be healed? For he brought the kingdom of God to this earth. And you and I We are the divine players, the divine actors in the drama of divine redemption. We play a part in ushering in the kingdom of God. We play a part right now in expanding that kingdom beyond these doors out into the world. So today receive who he says you are. You are a child of God. You are more than conquerors. You are a new creation in Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forevermore. Amen. We hope you were inspired by today's message. For more sermons from Misty Creek Community Church, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you like to stream your podcasts. You can also watch videos of our sermons and complete services on the Misty Creek Community Church YouTube channel. And while you're there, be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. For more information about our church, including our mission, location, service times, and more, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. God bless you, and thank you for listening.